Chapters forty three through forty five of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty three Harold and Jerry. The news which so electrified all Shannondale was slow in reaching Mrs. Crawford, but it did reach her at last, crushing and overwhelming her with a sense of shame and anguish until as the day wore on, Grace Atherton and Mrs. St. Clair and Nina and many others came to reassure her and to say that it was all a mistake which would soon be cleared up. Thus comforted and consoled, she tried to be calm and wait patiently for the train but there was a great pity for her boy in her heart as she sat by jerry's bedside and watched her in all her varying moods now perfectly quiet while her wide-open eyes stared up at the ceiling as if she were seeing something there now talking of peterkin and the tramp-house and the table and the blow and again of the bag which she said was lost and which her grandmother must find thinking she meant the carpet-bag mrs crawford brought that to her but she tossed it aside impatiently saying no no the other one which tells it all where is it i must have lost it find it find it to be so near and yet so far what did it say why can't i think am i like mr arthur crazy like him mrs crawford thought her crazier than arthur and waited still more impatiently for harold until she heard his step outside and knew that he had come harold grandma was all they said for a moment while the poor old lady was sobbing on his neck and then he comforted her as best he could telling her that it was all over now that no one but peterkin had accused him that everybody was ready to defend him and that after a little he could explain everything and now i must see jerry he continued starting for the stairs and glad that his grandmother did not attempt to follow him jerry had heard his voice and had raised herself in bed and as he came in met him with the question have you brought them has any one seen them the strange light in her eyes should have told harold how utterly incapable she was of giving any rational answers to his questions but he did not think of that and instead of trying to quiet her he plunged at once into the subject she had broached do you mean the diamonds he asked yes she replied the diamonds the diamonds where are they mrs tracy has them by this time harold replied mrs tracy jerry exclaimed what has she to do with them they are not hers they are mine they are mine bring them to me bring them to me she was terribly excited and for a time harold bent all his energies to soothe her and at last when from sheer exhaustion she became quiet he said to her jerry where did you find the diamonds she looked at him curiously but made no reply and he went on you must tell me where you found them it is necessary i should know still she did not reply and he continued those diamonds have caused me a great deal of trouble and will cause me more unless you tell me where you found them try and think was it in the tramp house that started her at once and she began to rave of the tramp house and the rat hole and the table and peterkin who dealt the blow the bruise on her head had not proved so serious as was at first feared and with her tangled hair falling over her face harold had not noticed it but he looked at it now and questioned her about it asking if peterkin struck her there no she said and began again to babble of rat-holes and table-legs and bags and diamonds until harold was convinced that there was nothing to be learned from her in her present condition and started for the tramp-house to see what that would tell him the table was still upon the floor with the three legs upon it while the fourth one was missing 
but harold found it at last for remembering what jerry had said of the rat-hole he investigated that spot and from its enlarged appearance drew his own conclusion jerry had found the diamonds there he had no doubt of it and he said so to tom tracy who appeared in the doorway just as he was leaving it sitting down upon the bench inside the two young men who had been enemies all their lives but who were now drawn together by a common sympathy and love for jerry talked the matter over again each arriving at the same theory as the most probable one they could accept arthur in a crazy fit had secreted the diamonds and jerry knew it though possibly not where he had put them this accounted for her strange sickness when a child while her finding them later on added to other causes would account for her sickness now peterkin owns that he was blowing her up for something and that he knocked the table down with his fist but he swears he didn't touch her tom said repeating in substance all peterkin had said to him in the train when shaking with fear of a writ and do you still mean to keep silent with regard to jerry he asked yes harold replied her name must not be mentioned in connection with the diamonds i can't have the slightest breath of suspicion touching jerry my sister sister be hanged tom began savagely then checked himself and added with a laugh don't try to deceive me hal with your sister business you love jerry and she loves you and that is one reason why i hate you or shall when this miserable business is cleared up just now we must pull together and find out where she found the diamonds and who put them there to write to uncle arthur would do no good though seeing him might the last we heard he was thinking of taking the coast voyage from san francisco to tacoma tom harold exclaimed with great energy as he sprang to his feet that decides me and then he told of the offer billy had made him on the car when i saw how sick jerry was i made up my mind not to accept it although i need the money badly but now if she gets no worse i shall start for tacoma in a few days and shall find your uncle arthur if he is to be found it was growing dark when the two young men finally emerged from the house and stood for a moment outside while harold inquired for maud she is not very well that's a fact tom said gloomily and no wonder when mother keeps her cooped up in one room without enough fresh air and lets nobody see her except the family and the doctor for fear they will excite her she knows nothing about the diamonds or that jerry is sick i did tell her though that you had come home and by jove i pretty near forgot it she wants to see you bad but lord mother won't let you in no use to try she's like a she-wolf guarding its cub good night and tom walked away while harold went back to the cottage where he found jerry sleeping very quietly with a look on her face so like that it had worn in her babyhood when he called her his little girl that he involuntarily stooped down and kissed it as one would kiss a beautiful baby the next morning jerry was very restless and wild and harold began to doubt as to whether he ought to take the western trip or not if he went he must go at once and to leave jerry in her present state seemed impossible he would consult the physician first and judge st clair next the doctor gave us his opinion that jerry was in no danger if she were only kept quiet she had taken a severe cold and overtaxed her strength but he had no fear for the result and he thought harold might venture to leave her yes i'd go if i were you he added for like billy he too thought it might be pleasanter for harold to be out of the way for a time although he did not say so and this was the view the judge took of it after a few moments conversation his first question had been well my boy can you tell me now who gave them to you no i can't was harold's reply 
and then acting upon a sudden impulse he burst out impetuously yes i will for i can trust you and i want your advice so badly so he repeated rapidly all he knew and his theory with regard to arthur whom he wished to find and of billy's proposition that he should go on his business to tacoma for a few moments the judge seemed perplexed and undecided if harold stayed he might have some unpleasant things to bear and hear for there were those who would talk in spite of their protestations of his innocence while to go might look like running away from the storm with the matter unexplained on the whole however he thought it was better to go jerry's interests are safe with me he said and by the time you return everything will be explained but find mr tracy as soon as possible i am inclined to think your theory with regard to him correct so it was decided that harold should go and the next night was appointed for him to start had he known that peterkin and even mrs tracy were each in her own and his own way insinuating that he was running from public opinion nothing could have induced him to leave but he did not know it and went about his preparations with as brave a heart as he could command under the circumstances jerry was more quiet now though every effort on his part to learn anything from her concerning the diamonds brought on a fit of raving when she would insist that the jewels were hers and must be brought to her but you told me they were mrs tracy's he said to her once and she replied so they are or were but oh how little you know and this was all he could get from her he told her he was going away but that did not affect her and she began to talk of maud who she said must not be harmed have you seen her she asked him not yet he replied but i am going to say good-bye and on the day of his departure he went to the park house and asked if he could see maud of course not was mrs tracy's prompt reply when the request was taken to her no one sees her and i certainly shall not allow him to enter her room but dolly frank began protestingly but was cut short by the lady who said you needn't dolly me or try to take his part either i have my opinion and always shall he cannot see maud and you may tell him so now turning to the servant who had brought harold's message and who softened it as much as possible harold had half expected a refusal and was prepared for it taking a card from his pocket he wrote upon it dear maud i am going away for a few weeks and am very sorry that i cannot see you but your mother knows best of course and i must not do anything to make you worse i shall think of you very often and hope to find you much better when i return harold will you give this to her he said to the girl who answered that she would and who took it to her young mistress late in the afternoon while the family were at dinner and she was left in charge of the invalid mr hastings sent you this she said handing the card to maud into whose face the bright colour rushed but left it instantly as she read the few hurried lines going away gone and i didn't see him she exclaimed regardless of consequences and mother did it i know she did i will talk she continued as the frightened girl tried to stop her and then ran for mrs tracy who came in much alarm asking what was the matter you sent harold away you didn't let him see me and he is maud gasped but could get no farther for the paroxysm of coughing which came on together with a hemorrhage which made her so weak that they thought her dying all night she lay so white and still and insensible save at times when her lips moved and her mother heard her whisper send for harold chapter forty four jerry clears harold the next day two items of news went like wildfire through the little town of shannondale 
the first set afloat by peterkin and helped on by mrs tracy that harold had run away from public opinion which was fast turning against him since he could not explain where he found the diamonds and the second that both maud tracy and jerry crawford were much worse which made harold's sudden departure all the more heinous in the eyes of his enemies for what but conscious guilt could have prompted him to leave his sister who it was said was calling for him with every breath and charging him with having taken the diamonds this was false for although jerry's fever had increased rapidly during the night and her babbling was something terrible to hear there was in it no accusation of harold although she was constantly talking to him and asking for the diamonds and the bag it is a pity he ever told her about them the doctor said as twice each day for four successive days he came and looked upon her fever-stained cheeks and counted her rapid pulse and took her temperature and listened to her strange talk and then with a shake of his head drove over to tracy park and stood by poor little maud's couch and looked into her death-white face and counted her faint heart-beats and tried in vain to find some word of encouragement for the stricken man who looked about as much like death as the young girl so dear to him and every morning on his way from the cottage to tracy park the doctor saw under the pines two young men tom and dick seated upon the iron bench each whittling a bit of pine which one was unconsciously fashioning into a cross and the other into a gravestone tom had found dick there working at his cross and after a simple good morning had sat down beside him and whittled in silence upon another bit of wood until the doctor appeared on his way to tracy park then the whittling ceased and both young men arose and going forward asked how jerry was pretty bad hal oughtn't to have gone though i told him there was no danger we must telegraph if she gets worse was the reply as the doctor rode on then tom and dick separated and saw no more of each other until the next morning when they went again and whittled in silence under the pines until the doctor came in sight when the same question was asked and answered as on the previous day billy never joined them but sat for hours and hours under the butternut tree where jerry had refused him watching the sluggish river and wondering what the world would be to him if jerry were not in it had billy been with tom and dick he would not have whittled as they did for all the nerve power had left his hands which lay helplessly in his lap and when he walked he looked more like a withered old man than a young one of twenty-seven maud was the first to rally her first question for harold her second for jerry and her father who was with her answered truthfully that harold had not returned and that jerry was sick and could not come to her he did not say how sick and maud felt no alarm and waited patiently as the days went by and jerry did not appear but grew worse so fast that the whole town was moved with sympathy for and interest in her jerry was a general favourite and flowers and fruits and delicacies of every kind were sent to the cottage carriage after carriage stopped before the door offer after offer of assistance was made to mrs crawford while nina and marian raymond were there constantly and billy went to springfield for a chair in which to wheel his sister to the cottage for she could not yet mount into the dog-cart and tom and dick whittled on until the cross and the gravestone were finished and with a sickly smile tom said to dick would you cut jerry's name upon it no oh no dick answered with a gasp she may be better to-morrow and when the crisis was past and jerry's strong constitution triumphed over the disease which had grappled with it the village wore a holiday air as the people said to each other gladly jerry is better jerry will live 
her recovery was rapid and within a week after she awoke to perfect consciousness she was able to sit up a part of every day and had walked across the floor and read a letter from harold full of solicitude for herself and enthusiasm for his trip over the wild mountains and across the vast plains to the lovely little city of tacoma built upon a cliff and looking seaward over the sound dear harold jerry whispered i shall be so glad when he comes home nothing can be done till then i am so bewildered when i try to think in her weak state everything seemed unreal to jerry except the fact that she had found her mother and many times each day she thanked her god who had brought her this unspeakable joy and asked that she might do right when the time came to act she knew the bag was safe for she found it just where she had put it but where were the diamonds had harold taken them with him had he told any one did his grandmother know anything about them she wondered and she tried in many ways to draw mrs crawford out but was unsuccessful for there was now too much pain and bitterness connected with the diamonds for mrs crawford to speak to her of them but the poisonous breath of gossip had been at work ever since harold went away quietly aided and abetted by mrs tracy and openly pushed on by peterkin until tom tracy went to him one day and threatened to have him tarred and feathered and ridden on a rail if he ever breathed harold's name again in connection with the diamonds voila swole was all peterkin said as he put an enormous quid of tobacco in his mouth and walked away thinking to himself twould take an all-fired while to scrape them tar and feathers off me i'm so big and i believe the feller meant it them high bucks wouldn't like no better fun than to make a spectacle of me so i guess i'll dry up a spell but the trouble did not stop with peterkin's talk for a neighbouring sunday paper which fed its readers with all the choicest bits of gossip came out with an article headed the tracy diamonds and after narrating the story in a most garbled and sensational manner went on to comment upon the young man's having run away rather than face public opinion and to comment also upon the law which could not touch him because the offence was committed so long ago one after another and without either knowing that the other had done so tom and dick and billy waited upon the editor of the sunday news threatening to sue him for libel if he did not retract every word of the offensive article in his next issue which he did but the mischief was done and the paper found its way at last to jerry sent unwittingly by ann eliza who covered it over a basket of fruit and flowers which was carried one afternoon to the cottage jerry had been downstairs several times and had walked a little way in the lane but was in her room when the basket was brought to her raising the paper she was about to throw it on the floor when her eye caught the words the tracy diamonds and with bloodless lips and wildly beating heart she read the article through understanding the situation perfectly and resolving at once how to act it seemed to her that she was lifted above and out of herself she felt so strong and light and well as she put on her bonnet and shawl and taking the leather bag in her hand hurried downstairs in quest of mrs crawford grandma she exclaimed why haven't you told me about harold and the suspicion resting on him and why did you let him go until i was better and what are the people saying tell me everything jerry would not be put off and mrs crawford told her everything she knew and that she herself had added to the mystery by the strange things she had said in her delirium about the diamonds which she insisted were hers and they are mine jerry said while mrs crawford looked at her in alarm lest her madness had returned where are you going she gasped as jerry turned toward the door to tracy park to claim my own and clear harold was the reply when i come back i will tell you all but now i can't wait 
but jerry you are not strong enough to walk there and besides they have company this afternoon some kind of a new-fangled card party and you must not go mrs crawford said i have the strength of twenty horses jerry replied and if they have company so much the better for there will be more to hear my story good-bye she was off like an arrow and went almost upon a run through the woods until the house was reached and then she stopped a moment to take breath and look about her how fair and beautiful was everything and jerry's heart beat so hard that she felt for a moment as if she were choking to death as she sat under a maple tree and tried to think it all over to make sure there was no mistake opening the box she took out two papers and read them again as she had the night she was taken sick one was a certificate of marriage the other of a birth and baptism there was no mistake holding the papers in one hand and the bag in the other she went on to the house from which shouts of laughter were issuing nina's voice and marion's and tom's and dick's and mrs tracy's she could hear that distinctly and she shuddered a little at the sound for it brought back to her mind all the slights she had received from that woman who was so cruel to harold and the pity which had been springing up in her heart ever since she looked at the windows of maud's room and thought of the white-faced girl lying there died out and it was more a nemesis than a gentle forgiving woman who walked boldly into the hall and stood in the drawing-room door mrs tracy was having a progressive euchre party that afternoon a friend in boston had written her about it and proud to be the first to introduce it in shannondale she stood flushed and triumphant with the restored diamonds in her ears and at her throat laughing merrily at judge st clair who had won the booby prize a little drum as something he could beat and who looked as if he did not quite see the joke apart from the rest frank tracy sat looking on though with no apparent interest in the matter he had joined in the game because his wife told him he must and had borne meekly her sarcastic remarks when he trumped her ace and ordered up on nothing his thoughts were not with the cards but upstairs with maud who seemed to be better and for whom there was constantly a prayer in his heart spare her and i will make reparation i will tell the truth he was trying to bribe the lord to hear him when he saw jerry in the door tall thin and white from her recent sickness with eyes which rolled and shone and flashed as arthur's did sometimes and which fell at last upon mrs tracy where they rested with an intensity which must have drawn that lady's notice to her if frank had not exclaimed as he rose to his feet jerry how did you get here then all turned and looked at her and crowded around her with exclamations of surprise and wonder for a moment jerry stood like one in catalepsy with no power to move or speak but when mrs tracy came forward and in her iciest tones said to her good afternoon miss crawford to what am i indebted for this unexpected pleasure her faculties came back her tongue was loosened and she replied in a clear voice which rang through the room like a bell and was indeed the knell to all the lady's greatness i am here to claim my own and to clear harold from the foul suspicion heaped upon him i have seen the paper have heard the whole from grandma and am here to defend him it was i who gave him the diamonds it was for me he kept silent and let you think what you would you gave him the diamonds mrs tracy repeated you gave him the diamonds and have come to confess yourself a she never finished the sentence for something in jerry's face frightened her while her husband who had come forward laid his hand warningly upon her arm 
so absorbed were they all that no one saw the little girl who at the sound of jerry's voice had in her eagerness to see her crept down the stairs and now stood in the doorway opposite to jerry her large bright eyes looking in wonder upon the scene and her ears listening intently to what was as new to her as it had been to jerry an hour ago don't give me the name you have more than once given to harold jerry said as with a gesture she silenced mrs tracy the diamonds are mine not yours can one steal his own yours your diamonds what do you mean mrs tracy asked they were my mother's jerry replied and she sent them to me they all thought her crazy except frank to whom there had come a horrid presentiment of the truth and who clutched his wife's arm hard as she said in a mocking aggravating tone and your mother was then jerry stepped into the room and stood in their midst like a queen among her subjects as she answered my mother was marguerite heinrich of wiesbaden better known to you as gretchen and my father is arthur tracy and i am their lawful child it is so written here and she held up the papers and the bag i am jerry tracy chapter forty five what followed thank god that it is out i couldn't have borne it much longer came involuntarily from frank's lips but no one heard it for with one bound as it seemed to the petrified spectators who divided right and left to let her pass jerry reached the opposite doorway and stooping over the little figure lying there so still lifted it tenderly and carrying it upstairs laid it down in the room it would never leave again until other hands than hers carried it out and laid it away in the tracy lot where only jack and the dark woman were lying now maud had heard all jerry was saying and understood it too and at the words i am jerry tracy she felt an electric thrill pass over her like what she had experienced when watching the acting in some great tragedy then all was darkness and she knew no more until jerry was bending over her and she heard her mother saying leave her to me miss crawford you have done harm enough for one day you have killed my daughter no maud cried exerting all her strength she has not hurt me she must not go i want her for if what she said is true she is my own cousin oh jerry i am so glad and throwing her arms around jerry's neck maud sobbed convulsively and clung tightly to jerry who nearly distraught herself did not know what to do she knew that mrs tracy looked upon her as an intruder and possibly a liar but she cared little for that lady's opinion she only thought of frank and what he would say lifting up her head at last from the pillow where she had lain it for a moment she saw him standing at the foot of the bed taller straighter than she had seen him in years with a look on his face which she knew was not adverse to herself jerry he said slowly and thickly for something choked his speech i can't tell you now all i feel only i am glad for you and arthur but gladder for myself what did he mean jerry wondered while maud's eyes sought his questioningly and his wife said sharply you are talking like a lunatic do you propose to give up so easily to a girl's bare word let jerry prove it before she is mistress here then maud whispered there were papers in your hand jerry and you said it is so written here bring the papers and read them to us i can bear it i must hear them i must know better let her have her way frank said and dolly could have knocked him down he spoke so cheerfully while jerry answered i can't read them myself aloud 
i couldn't bear it but marion can she understands german let them all come up they will all have to know maud persisted after a moment during which a powerful tonic had been given to his daughter frank went down to his guests who were eagerly discussing the strange story which not one of them doubted in the least in her haste to reach maud jerry had dropped the bag and the two papers which judge st clair picked up and held for a moment in his hand then passing the papers to marion he said it can be no secret now and jerry will not care what do the papers contain running her eyes rapidly over them marion said the first is a certificate of marriage between arthur tracy and marguerite heinrich who were married october twentieth eighteen hundred blank in the english church of wiesbaden by the rev mr eaton then the officiating clergyman the second is a certificate of the birth and baptism of gerine daughter of arthur and marguerite tracy who was born at wiesbaden january first eighteen hundred blank and christened january eighth eighteen hundred blank by the rev mr eaton then a deep silence fell upon the group while tom stood like one paralyzed he understood the situation perfectly and knew that jerry was mistress of tracy park may as well vacate at once he said at last with an attempt to smile as he walked slowly out of the house just then frank came down saying that maud insisted upon knowing what was in the papers which marion was to read while the others were to come up and listen he did not seem at all like a man who had lost anything but bustled about cheerily and when the judge said to him apologetically we know the contents of two of the papers they are certificates of the marriage of arthur with gretchen and of jerry's birth i hope you don't mind if we read them he answered briskly not at all not in the least arthur and gretchen i thought so where is tom he must hear the papers he found his son sitting under the tree where he had been sitting the morning when jerry came near fainting there and in his hand was a bit of wood finished like a gravestone the same he had whittled under the pines and on which he was now carving euchard august blank eighteen hundred blank this is the monument to our downfall he said as his father came up to him with something so pitiful in his face and voice that frank gave way suddenly and sitting down beside him laid his hand upon his tall son's head and cried for a moment like a child while tom's chin quivered and he was mortally afraid there was something like tears in his own eyes and he meant to be so brave and not show that he was hurt i am sorry for you my boy frank said at last but glad for jerry so glad and she will not be hard upon us i shall ask no favours of her i can stand it if you can though money is a good thing to have and then without in the least knowing why he thought of ann eliza and wondered how her ankle was getting along and if he ought not to have called upon her again marian is going to read the papers in maud's room and i have come for you frank said i don't care to hear them tom replied i am satisfied that we are beggars and jerry the heiress but frank insisted and tom went with him to his sister's room followed by their friends for whom the dinner was waiting and spoiling in the kitchen where as yet no hint of what was transpiring had reached save the fact that maud had been downstairs and fainted she was propped upon pillows and her eyes were fixed upon jerry who sat by her side holding her hands which she occasionally kissed and caressed where did you find the bag the judge asked and then jerry narrated the particulars of her interview with peterkin whose destruction of the table had resulted in her finding the bag with the diamonds in it they were mother's 
she said the last word almost a sob as she turned her eyes upon mrs tracy who stood like a block of stone with no sympathy or credulity upon her face father bought them for her at the same time with mrs tracy's which they are exactly alike it is so written in her letter and she sent them for me they are mine and i gave them to harold to keep until i could think what to do the diamonds are mine she was still looking at mrs tracy on whom all eyes were resting as the precious stones flashed and glittered and shone in the sunlight for an instant the proud woman hesitated then quickly unclasping the earrings and the pin she laid them in jerry's lap you are welcome to your property if it is yours i am sure she said and was about to leave the room but her husband kept her back no dolly he said you must stay and hear and know it concerns us all as he had closed the door and stood against it she had no alternative except to stay but she walked to the window and stood with her back to them all while marian put into english and read that message from the dead End of chapters forty three forty four and forty five